Holy Spirit, that's our prayer tonight, to be overcome by Your presence. Come on right now all across this room, tongues of fire, tongues of fire right now. You don't need to wait to the altar call. You don't need to wait till we get to the Scripture text. Right now, tongues of fire are breaking out in this room right now. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, come. Holy Ghost, awaken in this room right now. Every heart, set hearts on fire, set dreams on fire, set callings on fire, set destinies on fire. In the precious and mighty Name of Jesus, God, keep us hungry. Throughout this Word, throughout this night, throughout this moment, keep us hungry for all of our lives to grow closer to You. That we would become more aware of Your presence, sensitive, discerning the moving of Your Spirit. In Jesus' Name we pray and everyone said, and everyone said, Come on, one last time. Let's just honour the Lord in this place. And then... Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you so much for your love and your hospitality. It's really been such a privilege and honour for uh, me and my friends to be here uh, this weekend. And I just want to say a massive thank you to Pastors Tark and Adrian just for your hospitality and your love. It's been such an honour to be here. I've asked Pastor Tuck to come and preach at our Closer Conference next year in Melbourne. And I just believe that what is on this house and what is on his life and in his heart and in his mouth is just going to help really build our church and the Kingdom of God in Australasia. And uh, we just so resonate with the spirit of the house and what God's doing and just want to imbibe and receive of that. So as much as you might feel you've been added to we're going away with more than what we came with. So thank you so much, including Church Unlimited Socks in Jesus' name. You know that you've converted and you're a part of the family when you wear Church Unlimited Socks. So I'll take a bit of New Zealand back home with me, a bit of the fire. Represent, I'm representing our conference. We have two conferences, Closer Conference, which is a prophetic apostolic conference, and Fire Conference, which is our youth, young adults, and uh, So we're all about the fire of God. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 to 12. I want to read two verses. John the Baptist is prophesying and he's declaring about the work of the Messiah, that that which is to come. And uh, in Matthew 3, 11 to 12, he says this, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject fire starter. Fire starter. And to introduce this message, why don't you look to the screens for a quick clip.
I love that clip because it speaks so much of, you know, just someone just getting so excited about the reality of something in the natural. You know, if you think about uh, fire in the natural, it requires three elements. It requires an oxygen-rich compound, a heat source, and combustible material. You lack any one of those three elements, you are not going to have a fire in the natural. A baptism of fire requires three elements. Firstly, you need an oxygen-rich compound. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, life in all of its fullness, life in all of its abundance. But secondly, you need a heat source. Who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit fills you, not only illuminates you, but the heat and fire and power of his presence awakens your heart. And thirdly, you need combustible material. Who's that? You and I. We've been designed to combust with the fire of God. If any one of these three elements are missing, you will not have a baptism of fire. The truth is, all three of these elements are present in this passage. In verse 11, John the Baptist points to these three elements. He says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. If there is a lack of fire in our life, the lack is never on God's end. You can't blame God for a lack of fire in your life. When you read the Gospels, you read in Luke chapter 9 or Mark chapter 9 as well. And even in Matthew 16, a father brings his tormented son to Jesus' disciples and asks for the disciples to minister freedom and deliverance to his tormented son who's been afflicted by demonic spirits. And the disciples cannot minister the freedom that they're being requested or demanded of. And so Jesus comes and he says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? He identifies the lack. He ministers out of his own fullness to the boy. That boy is set free from the demonic influence on his mind and his spirit. And then in a back room, in the green room somewhere, the disciples say in private, why could we not cast the demon out? They didn't say, why was there a lack of your power present? They said, why could we? Why was there a lack 
of power in our own lives. You see, in the kingdom of God, there's never been a problem with a lack of supply from heaven. The problem has been a lack of demand from earth. John the Baptist said, he who is coming after me is mightier than I and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes and were feeding people in the natural, oh, you better believe there were thousands of people. 5,000 men besides women and children, thousands upon thousands of people were present when Jesus was handing out things to meet their practical needs. But when it came to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, all of those thousands had gone. There was only 120 who were hungry enough to put a demand in the upper room on the anointing of God's Spirit to be poured out upon them. You see, often it'll be the, the lights, the camera, the action, the smoke and the bells and the whistles that will attract the crowd. But I want to know who is in the upper room seeking for the fire, contending in prayer for the fire of the Holy Spirit. There's never been a problem with a lack of supply from heaven. God's Spirit through the prophet Joel prophesied, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That's like a prophetic declaration. You can take that promise to the bank. It is a, it is a declared intention of God that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. There's plenty of supply. The issue is a lack of demand. I remember last year uh, when we were at our old house in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, I was awoken in the middle of the night to a sizzling noise, literally, and I looked out of the windows about 3 a.m. in the morning and our power lines were literally on fire. And the telephone pole and the power pole that those lines were connected to were going up in flames. And I'm looking around like, is anybody else seeing this? Am I like dreaming? Am I hallucinating? Is this my Moses burning bush moment? I mean, this is it. So I literally, true story, raced out there and I start to run towards the power lines and the telephone pole waiting for God to speak to me like he did to Moses in the burning bush. And the closer I got, the more I could feel the heat. And I'm leaning in and I'm looking around. No one else is around. I'm like, is this really happening? I'm like, it's about to happen. God's about to speak to me out of the burning power lines. But no, all I could hear was a sizzling noise. And that wasn't good. So I took a few steps back, called the fire department. And for 15 minutes, there was a burning in those power lines and in that telephone pole. Yet no one woke up. There was only one person awake, everyone else was asleep. And sometimes that natural picture is a supernatural reality in the church. The fire of God burns. The fire of God wants to wake people up, but we're spiritually asleep. You see, Revelation 3, 1 and 2 says, you have the reputation of being alive, speaking to sometimes the modern day church, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains. I want to ask you today, what demand are you putting on God's supply line of fire in your life? What demand are you putting on the fire of God? The same Holy Spirit that I see in Indonesia that's bringing about a great revival in the largest Islamic nation on earth is the same Holy Spirit in Auckland, New Zealand. I attended a prayer meeting in Indonesia. I go to Indonesia uh, almost every year and preach and, 
and seeing God move. There are auditoriums of 11,000 seats that get filled up three times on a Saturday. They don't even have a permit on a Sunday. Uh, and, and, and God is showing up in such a dynamic way. And I asked them, well, what's the secret? What's going on here? They said, oh, look up. There's a prayer tower. And for the last 14 years, there's been 24-7 prayer, a never-ending prayer meeting in the prayer tower. As much as 500 people gather together in two-hour shifts with the worship team in two-hour shifts, 24-7, seeking God, praying. And at the changeover, which I observed with my own eyes, there's a keyboarder, lifts up his hand. The next guy comes, puts his hand on the same key and on the same chord, lifts up the other hand, puts his hand on the other chord, and the prayer meeting continues. It's now been running for 17 years. There were so many Muslims getting saved that Gaddafi, when he was alive at the time, built a mosque on the other side of the highway, a kilometre away, to try and curb the amount of Indonesians getting saved in this church. I'm telling you, there's enough supply. The issue is whether or not we're putting a demand upon the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God has, has promised that He will supply the fire, but we've got to become the sacrifice. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, fire is used as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's mentioned 400 times in the Bible. Why is it that fire is what God chooses to use to symbolize the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, it's because fire empowers. Wherever the fire of the Spirit of God is burning, there is power. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you need more power of God in your life, it's available, but you've got to put a demand on it and you've got to become the sacrifice. The fire of God firstly empowers. Secondly, the fire of God illuminates. In Exodus chapter 13, we read about the pillar of fire by night that would guide Israel. If you need illumination of the work of the Spirit of God in your life, you need to encounter the fire of God. The fire of God not only empowers you to be a witness in your world, it illuminates the truth of God's Word to you. It illuminates things in the spirit realm you don't understand. It clarifies, it, it, it sobers you. It brings you into a place where things that once were confusing because God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace and clarity and order. And when you're filled with the fire of God, that spirit of wisdom and revelation enlightens your heart for you to begin to see and know the hope to which He has called you. So not only does it empower you, not only does the fire of God illuminate you, but the fire of God cleanses you. 
Wherever fire comes, you know, in Victoria, we've had uh, many bushfires over the years. And if you go, and I remember riding my bike through some of those fire-affected areas after the event, and you can literally see for kilometers the impact and the cleansing and purging that the fire has done on the land. The same is with your spirit. When the fire of God fills you, when the fire of God consumes you, you become like this consuming fire fire of the Holy Spirit and you start to be cleansed and purged of those things that separate you from God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, we're told that there's coming a day where our works will be tested by fire. And if what we've built our lives on and the foundation of, if it's not built on the foundation of Jesus and it's not building with gold, silver and precious stones but wood, hay and straw. Whatever foundation other than Jesus you build your life upon, the fire of God is gonna test and he's gonna burn up. I don't know about you, but do you ever read the Bible and just get convicted? Am I the only one? Because I read the Bible sometimes and I'm like, God, give me an eternal perspective on my temporary reality. Help me to live life in light of all eternity, not just how I feel in this moment. You see, in Genesis 22, verse 7, Isaac asked Abraham, he said, we have the fire and the wood, but dad, what about the sacrifice? We've got plenty of fire, we've got plenty of fuel, we've got plenty of wood. I wanna know where the sacrifice is And Abraham said prophetically, God will provide the sacrifice. I remember back in 2012, um, my wife and I, uh, after sort of much prayer and laboring, sort of, you know, seeking God for his will about uh, purchasing a house or renting or whatever it may be, we decided that we were going to move our three kids and our family into an old Bible college for 12 months in order to save a lot of money in order to purchase a house. And so we, uh, much to the weeping and gnashing of teeth that that was going on, we decided the recommendation of one of my mentors to go to this old Bible college, literally on the backside of nowhere and nothing. And it was a Bible college that there was uh, only maybe 20, 30 students in, but it had all these vacant dormitory rooms. And so we moved in. We only had two rooms between us. We didn't have a kitchen. We didn't have a lounge room. We didn't have anything, just two bedrooms with an adjoining bathroom, right? So we're going barbaric. We're going after this goal. I knew something was up on the second night when at 1 a.m. in the morning, the smoke alarm over our bed went off. I wake up, I wave my hands around a little bit, and then the, finally the smoke alarm goes off. I hop back into bed. I'm trying to go back to sleep. And you know what happens. Five minutes later, the smoke alarm goes off again. This time, I'm a little bit more forceful with it, just letting it know who's boss, right? And I hop back into bed after it goes off. And I says to my wife, I said, honey, if that smoke alarm goes off again, I'm going to send it home to be with Jesus, okay? I'm just letting you know, all right? And so she's awake now, and you know what happens? It goes off again. I don't know what came over me, but the anointing of Samson just came over me, right? And I just reached up to that 
smoke alarm and I literally pulled it out of the roof, but I failed to see that it was connected to an electrical circuit to every other smoke alarm in every other student's room in the entire Bible college in Jesus' name. And within about two minutes, it was like the angels of heaven were blowing the trumpets for the second coming of Jesus. Every smoke alarm went off in that complete Bible college. My kids started screaming and wailing and it wasn't because, look, Jesus is in the clouds. No, it was because dad sent the smoke alarms off. My wife said, well, you've done it now, haven't you? And so I look out in the foyer. I open the door and hear a Bible college students in their PJs walking out of their rooms complaining, who set the smoke alarms off? And I said, I've got no idea. But once I find out, they're in lots of trouble. And to this day, it's our little secret. No one knows I set the smoke alarms off. And so I start wandering around with all the students going, how terrible is this? I just can't believe it. And we had to manually go and switch all the smoke alarms off. And by the time I get back to my bed, it's about 45 minutes, an hour later, and I lie down on my bed. And because the Holy Spirit can speak through anything, as I'm lying there in silence, pondering what the heck just happened, the Holy Spirit says to me, that smoke alarm is like some believers. They make lots of noise, but there's no fire in them. You see, many of us are making a noise in life, but it has no impact because there's no fire. A Christian without fire is like New Zealand without the All Blacks. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. Why? Because God created your spirit to be flammable. You are combustible material. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. How do you catch on fire? Romans 12.1, you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. There's plenty of supply from heaven The issue is, are we willing to become the sacrifice? And once you're ablaze, unless you stoke the fire of your spirit, it's going to go out. There's no two ways about it. You can't fake it. You You can only be enthusiastic and passionate for so long until you run out of steam. Ultimately, there's gotta be a fire there. I say to young preachers, you can shout and scream and tell us your joke in the first five minutes, but after five minutes, you better make sure there's some fire and there's some anointing. It doesn't really matter to me how exciting it is in the first five minutes. What matters to me, was anybody's life changed, transformed, impacted, and the only thing that changes people's lives is the anointing of God's Spirit. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. No matter how passionate a preacher is, no matter how good they can spit their lyrics and words, at the end of the day, what changes people is an encounter with the fire of God. You see, in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, it says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Spirit. You know, in Leviticus 6, it says five times, The fire on the altar must never go out. In other words, God supplies the fire, but we've got to keep it burning. I remember reading somewhere in this world-renowned book called Wired for the Supernatural by the Reverend Dr. Bishop Tarkbana. It says, our fire 
is our responsibility. You're not responsible for my fire and I'm not responsible for yours. A lot of people sort of live vicariously through the pastor's revelation. They live vicariously through the preacher's prayer life. And they almost start to treat the preacher like an old covenant seer where they come and seek the will of God through. When the Holy Spirit is living in you, the Holy Spirit is a witness, a living anointed witness inside of you. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the sanctifier. He's the cleanser. He's the illuminator. He's living inside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We've got to stop living vicariously through somebody else's fire and we've got to kindle our own. We've got to start to take responsibility for the fire of our own hearts because I'm not going to be with you this week when something goes down in your life. I'm not going to be able to be there to give you another message to pep you up, but I tell you who will be there, the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the Word of truth. That's what will be in your heart. See, I remember, does anyone remember being at the, 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 the youth camp or, or the church camp many years ago? We used to have church camps, all right? Now it's conferences, New Zealand and beyond. But back in the day, it was like, let's have church camp. And there was something on the Saturday night after the service, people would go and have a campfire, right? And I loved it when I was in the youth ministry because this is where you get to legitimately hold hands with the pretty girl sitting next to you around the campfire and justify it as a holy spiritual moment as you sang Kumbaya. Am I right or am I right? And so you're there, the fire's burning, it's romantic with Jesus and the pretty girl. And you're like, you look across and say, you know what? This is a holy moment. We're about to sing. Uh, I think we should hold hands. Kumbaya. And we hold hands. Don't knock the bright. It worked for me. It may not have worked for you, all right? But can you remember as you looked at that campfire, unless you stoked the fire, that fire was going to go out. In fact, you ask the question, what makes the fire burn? And it isn't just the fuel, the logs. It's actually the space between the logs. It's the oxygen that's there that allows that fire to keep burning. You pack too many logs together and guess what happens? The fire gets suffocated. Too many of us pack so much into our lives, we are literally suffocating the fire of God in our own hearts. The fire of God requires space. If you don't have space in your day, if you don't have space in your service, if you don't have space in your ministry, if you don't have space in your family for the fire of God to burn, you are going to suffocate that fire from your life. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled, present continuous tense, be filled. Not, not, you know, just yesterday, not just today, but of every moment of your life, including tomorrow, we've got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. It implies that we have a responsibility. We have a part to play. The Holy Spirit's supply is there. The issue is demand. You have as much of God today as you made space for Him yesterday. 
I say to people, you have as much of God today as you wanted him yesterday. And if you want him more tomorrow, you're going to need him more today. Because this thing compounds with interest. The investments you are making into your relationship with God today and into your prayer life and into your word compounds. God has a destiny for your life, but you'll never walk in it. You'll never walk in the fullness of the authority of that in your life if you don't, didn't start yesterday investing into your destiny and your calling. God fully intended 20, 30 years ago for me to stand on a platform like this in this church at Church Unlimited in November 2019, but it never would have happened if I didn't make space in previous seasons to actually seek God and read the Word and study it and write messages and go to prayer meetings and evangelize and witness and travel and obey and do all the things that God gets you to do. And what we want is we hear a prophecy or we see the promise and we want it to happen tomorrow, but we don't realize it requires investment today for the dream to live tomorrow. It requires you to make room and space today for the fire of God in your life because you can't give away what you don't carry. You can't impart to others what isn't a reality in your own heart. Is there any space in your life for the fire of God? You see, the fire that God starts in you, He actually wants to start in others. You know, the great principle of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is what God manifests in me must always edify others through me. It's not enough for me to look in the spiritual mirror as a metaphor and admire the manifestation of the Spirit in our own lives. The gifts were never meant for you and I to admire them. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Whatever God does in me, whatever God does in you must translate through you because you are a conduit. You are a river. You're not a dam or a reservoir. Let's not be like the Dead Sea where there's a lot of inflow, but there's no outflow and there's no breakthrough in our life. But if you want to minister breakthrough to others, breakthrough has got to come through you into other people's lives. The fire that God starts in you, He wants to start in others. John Wesley, the great revivalist, said, was asked one day, how do you attract an audience? He said, get on fire and people will come and watch you burn. You know what I've discovered in life? That people are willing to line up and go to a conference to watch people burn for Jesus. Because there's something contagious about it. There's something attractive about it. You see, fire attracts people. I remember driving past one of the um, grammar schools, the high schools near our house, and as I'm driving past, there's smoke billowing up from the chemistry lab, one of the labs, of the, and so all the students are like, yippee, school's cancelled, all the parents are pulling their hair out, and literally there was, it seemed like 100, 200 cars were all parked all over the place, fire department, paramedics, police, fortunately no one was hurt, but everyone was just on the footpath, and you're like, what are you doing? They're, they're watching the fire. They're literally watching the school go up, right? Why? Because fire attracts people. In fact, they say, if ever you, when I was in the police force, I was like, if you've ever been attacked, don't yell out for help. You won't get any. But if you yell fire, people will come and watch. 
What is it about fire? Fire kindles fire. Fire attracts people to it. Benjamin Franklin would go and hear George Whitfield, the evangelist, preach just so he could watch him burn. There was something about the fire of God that actually draws people to us. And the fire that Jesus started 2,000 years ago is still available today. But here is the fundamental question. It's a question I ask myself regularly. Was there a time in your life when you were more on fire for God than you are today? Was there a time in your life where You used to be so hungry for the Word of God. It didn't matter what time you had to get up. Didn't matter how late it was. You got to read the Word. You got to get the Word into your spirit. Was there a time when it was like, I don't don't care when it is or what time it is. I'm going to be at the prayer meeting. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. Was there a time it didn't matter how you felt or how awkward it looked. You knew you had to share your God story. And the message of the gospel of what Jesus Christ had done in your life. But what happens over time, it should actually go the opposite way. But what happens over time is that we start to settle down and we start to become comfortable and we start to live convenient lives. Meanwhile, the fire of God burns. And sadly, some of us are spiritually asleep in our culture and our generation. But God has called this church to be a church on fire with the presence of God. He's called you. He's anointed you. He's inviting you to be set on fire with His presence. To be so consumed with the consuming fire. That truly, that which you've declared out of your mouth, that all New Zealand shall be saved. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, all it requires is 12 disciples on fire with the Holy Spirit. All it requires is 120 in the upper room on fire with the Holy Spirit. And 2,000 years later, the fire has come to the ends of the earth. The fire of God is burning all over the globe. Why? Because it began with people that were hungry for the fire of God. And tonight in this room, I want to ask you, were you once more on fire than you are today? Where's your fire quotient at? Where is the fire of God at work in your life? Because we need not only to receive the fire of God, but God has called us to go and start fires in other people's lives. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. I want the team to come. And as the team comes, I want to invite you right now. If you say, there may be a fire there, Pastor, but it's not necessarily burning hot. I can point back to time in my life, you might say, where I once was on fire, but now no longer. Right now in this room, I want to invite you. If you say, I need this fire, I'm hungry for this fire, why don't you just get out from where you are and just come stand down the front right now. Say, God, I need your fire in my life. I need you to come, cleanse, purge, burn away that which isn't of you in my life. Why don't you come? Come on. I know that there are people here. Just come, just get out from where you are. Come and stand and say, here is my life, God. We're just going to take a minute to pray and to worship. 
And as we do, I believe, I got faith tonight that the fire of God is gonna come and mark people. You see, I was six years of age in a little church in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia, in the Nullarbor Desert. There's about 15, 20 people on a Sunday night. I was six years old. And the altar call was given by my father to that small congregation. That if you're hungry for the Holy Spirit, you're hungry for the fire of God to come out. I got out of my seat. I walked to the altar. And as I'm standing there, another man of God who just recently come from one of the Pentecostal churches in town, he came and he laid hands upon my head and he began to pray. And at six years of age, with a humble, innocent heart, I just said, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? And all of a sudden, as I prayed that prayer and as that man of God laid hands upon my head and began to pray, it was like the fire of God began to fill my belly and it began to bubble up and I felt this compulsion to let out of my mouth a roar. I didn't know what was gonna come out, but what came out at six years of age was tongues of fire out of my mouth. And from that day to this day, I've been conscious of the indwelling presence and power of the fire of the Holy Spirit. I need that fire. You need that fire. Whenever I hear Jesus say, Son, I am with you, I go back to that moment and I'm reminded I carry the fire. The fire of God is in me. The fire of God is on me. The fire of God needs to be in us and it needs to be on us. So Father, right now I pray in this moment. Come on, is anybody desperate for God's fire in this room right now? I pray in this moment in the name of Jesus. Lord, before we sing a song or we lift up an anthem, that God right now in this moment, Your fire would come and consume our hearts. That Your fire would come and cleanse and purge our souls of the affections for this world. And that Father, what would be left is a hunger, a passion, a pure love for Your presence, for Your Word, for Your anointing. God, we need Your fire. So God, would You come right now and I declare, let the fire fall in this room right now. Let the fire fall on every hungry heart. Let the fire fall and consume our hearts and our lives for Your presence. We need that holy fire. We need that cleansing, burning flame to consume our hearts, to consume our lives. Set hearts on fire tonight in this room.